Our our reading this evening is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, beginning at verse 35 through to verse 41. That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. I had an anniversary this week. And it's probably the most unfortunate anniversary um, I've ever had. It wasn't a birthday. It wasn't a, you know, relationship thing. It was on uh, Saturday, the anniversary of when I fell into the River Forth in my canoe. And Facebook gladly reminded me um, with a little video that my, my fi- now fiancé, uh, Ruth, had uh, from said river. And um, a few weeks ago, I shared that story with the canoe. Um, and then I was given this other passage about, you know, disastrous water and storm situations. And I think there might be a bit of a thing reoccurring there. So. Fortunately, I have another story of when things didn't go that well in the water. (laughs) I think I have a bit of a thing around water. It seems to like churning up around me. Something kind of goes on. Uh, So a few months ago, I was up in the Isle of Skye, which is a beautiful place full of uh, magical weather and idyllic places named after fairies. And it's delightful. And I went on a little boat trip uh, with Ruth again, and we realized this might have been our first time back in the water since the incident um, the previous year. And uh, we, we might have a little photo of the, um, of the boat. But we got into this, this lovely little boat, and we took a trip over into the mountains, and then we headed back out. And on the way back, um, the man who was hosting us described it as Roly. <laughs> Roly is a very positive sense of the word, meaning it was like being on a bounty castle. And so here was this, this amazing uh, able seaman with a tray of drinks which he tried to serve us. And he engaged in this kind of martial art as he sort of paraded around, serving people hot beverages as the sea rolled around us. And this man managed to get his tea, which went everywhere. There's not really any photos because the sea just splashed all over the cameras. And it was, it was a little bit unsettling. And we went up and down and then... And as we approached the harbor, oh, great, the harbor. I remember all the safety stories as a kid. The harbor is the safe place. The harbor is the safe place. The harbor also seems to be the place where the water has to get round to get you back in. And so as we approached the harbor, the thing felt like we nearly went in the water. I felt a little bit, a little bit unsettled. So I uh, hopped out the boat, and we're heading back up, and I saw the captain of the ship which was great. I thought, it couldn't have been as bad as I thought it was. 
I'll just chat to the captain and get re- reassurance. So, uh, you know, start to go, ah, oh, that was quite intense there, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. You got any more trips today, mate? And uh, he goes, well, I'm hoping to cancel them all. <laughs> okay, that's reassuring. He goes, ah, you did good just uh, getting us in the harbor there. And in more French than this, he said, um, I thought we were perhaps going to tip out into the water on the way back. <laughs> so these uh, situations that come up, these storms, they really unsettle us. And um, they speak to us. I think in Scotland, it's quite easy to understand kind of nature references. In a lot of our worship songs, we might sing, you know, come like the rain. We'd be like, no, don't, Lord. Come like sunshine or something. <laughs> something pleasant. And the scene that we have here is, is Jesus and his followers on this, um, this journey. They have an encounter that feels a bit like a roly one, uh, where they wonder not, is the captain capable of getting us out of this, but is Jesus capable of getting us out of this? In the scene here, we have um, the disciples' point of view and Jesus' point of view of the story. They're both a little different. We'll explore them both. Um, the disciples had this situation where they went out and, and there was a whole host of boats with them. So there's a load of people in their care. They're all following Jesus to get to the other side to continue what they're doing. Uh, Jesus was there, it says, just as he was. So he's not got his, his life jacket, his paddle, his canoe. He's not got his spare little boat going on. He's just, just there. He's tired. He's hoarse. He's been preaching all day. He's probably ready for some alone time, just for a nap. He's human in this place. And Jesus is in the stern of the boat, which is the space for the, the special guest, the space for someone really valued. And they head out on this lake, uh, the Sea of Galilee. It's about twice the size of Loch Lomond. And this squall kicks off. But in the boat, we have seasoned fishermen. This isn't their first rodeo. This is pretty, pretty normal. Any time it, it kicked off, I'd imagine they'd have dealt with this before. So Jesus seems to trust them on this journey because he falls asleep. But then as it picks up, they begin freaking out and they wake up Jesus. And, and they've seen before four or five times where Jesus has healed people. Jesus has interrupted what they think happens in nature and he's brought healing. And so they, they recognize Jesus can do something about this. And they, and they, they wake him up. And they're looking for, the, you know, do that be quiet thing you did to the guy with the demons or do the, do the anything, do the healing thing. Just if we drown, bring us back to life or something. And we have this amazing moment where Jesus kind of wakes up and he says, be quiet. He stills the waves with his words. He stills the wind with his breath. Eugene Peterson puts it, the wind ran out of breath. So we have this wildness going, this wind. And then we have Jesus go, be quiet. And it's like the wind just, the wind just kind of peters out. And it's quiet. And so they wonder, of course, who is this man? They must be realizing that there's something extraordinary about Jesus. There was a couple of scriptures they might have been familiar with from the Psalms in Psalm 65 and Psalm 107. It, it refers to um, God saying, you answer us with awesome and righteous deeds, God our Savior, who formed the mountains by your power, having armed yourself with strength, who stilled the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves. 
In Psalm 107, they would have known some went out into the sea in ships. They were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord, his wonders, deeds in the deep. For he spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths. In the peril, their courage melted away. It goes on saying, then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. And so they begin to recognize Jesus. He's just fulfilling all these things that he said. They know the scriptures and Jesus fulfills even more of them. They probably hear that and think, oh, he's doing the Psalm 107 thing. Incredible. And they're amazed. He stilled it with his voice. And then he offers them that stunning response where he says, you have no faith in me. And this is the odd thing about this passage. The truly powerful action is what Jesus experienced and the way that it's come across. So imagine the story told from Jesus would be a little bit different. It might be a good thing, and I think it's probably completely intentional, that Mark is biographical and not autobiographical. I wonder if Jesus might have just kind of noted it down, you know, preached it all day, had a good nap in the boat, hoping James and John will stop comparing themselves and that Peter will deal with his anger a little bit more productively. (laughs) Judas, he's really good with the money, but I'm not really sure if he's a team player. Um, (laughs) I got woken up early by the group because the sea was a bit roly. Um, (laughs) Narc that they didn't think I had it in them. How long, Father, I told you free will was going to be a punt with these people. It'd be nice if they just trusted me. I I can't wait to get to the other side. Looking forward to seeing the demon-possessed guy and having a chat. Might be a nice break from this lot. (laughs) Like there's a reason Jesus maybe said, no, you write the book. You got it, Mark. It's good. He was fed up by this point. He just wanted to sleep. Jesus' experience of the storm is so remarkably different to our experience of the storm. The disciples began freaking out. Jesus just... Just sleeping in the back. I wonder what it's like feeling that sense of storm. What has that been like for you? Maybe not like the hurricanes that we're seeing just now, but storms it might not be that set of weather conditions, but of circumstances. Storm is the, the state and the traits of tuning into this fear over the presence of God. And we might build a worldview based around storm. And that, I wonder, is what Jesus begins to get at. Is are we going to trust him with the world around us? Are we going to trust him that he is present and that he knows what's going on, that he has us? This might not be about a, a, you know, a, something you're suffering or facing, but more of a way that we're looking at the world. And I wonder if, if the church globally might have begun to try and do this. It's seeing the world and calling it storm. That we've put mess and brokenness. And maybe it's not, maybe it's not at all our way of doing it. Maybe we we're ignorant of storm, but storm seems to creep up on us and sneak up on us. The storm, it's, it's fine. It's probably not something we ever experience, but storms just seem to, to creep up. Maybe it just starts with 
Uh, the world is very greedy at the moment. It's consumeristic or maybe we just think, oh, the world is very broken just now. It's very broken just now. And we're fine. Or maybe we just begin to think, you know, worship. I'm not into worship at the moment. Or we say society is a storm. It's full of falling numbers in the church. And why isn't the Bible respected in our schools? And the world's full of greed. And why aren't there values of Christianity and society? And why is secularism running rampant? And it's not safe to be a Christian and a leader anymore. Or we're all broken. There's brokenness in us. Brokenness in the world. Or maybe it's that the globe is in a mess. Maybe Jesus doesn't care. Maybe we just don't have it together anymore. Maybe we just don't care anymore. And we get this sense of storm in us. Maybe we're just like, where's Jesus gone? Jesus doesn't care anymore. We're frustrated, we're tired. We're fine though. We're in a storm. Where is Jesus? Why is he asleep just now? Doesn't he get what's going on in this world? Doesn't he get the politics is broken and the world is broken and capitalism is broken and the church is broken and that I am broken? Where is Jesus? Until he just gets up in the middle of our storm, the middle of our craze and chaos and uncertainty and Jesus steps out into the midst of us and just gives us two words, just two tiny words. When everything around us is wildness and chaos and the seas are going, it just says, be quiet. Be quiet. Be quiet. Where is Jesus in the storm? Where is Jesus in the midst of all that? <laughs> Are we serious? Storms feel ridiculous. Storms build up, they come out of nowhere. They appear on us. And it's such an easy state to get into this day. Storm! Storm, Jesus! Like we say there, maybe it's your sense of the world around you. Maybe you think society's broken. The world's going to hell in a handcart. Maybe you think the church is broken. It's all declining, it's gone. Maybe in your own life, God doesn't care. God doesn't matter. I've got my own plan. And where is Jesus when this is going around us? We watch 24 hours of news. We're probably going to get 24 hours of storm. Storm is all around us. Storm sneaks up. Storms get dramatic. They swell up. They, they darken the world around us. But to Jesus, storm isn't our story. We don't see things as they are. We're seeing things as we are. And the problem that we're presenting to God about the world, about who we are, about what's possible, is really the problem God is going to present back to us. We give him our list of storm. And he gives us a snoring Jesus in a boat. When our perception is it's all over God, Jesus' perception is dreaming about fried fish and a drink from the well. One commentary puts it, storm 
And this movement that Jesus showed is, is becoming less in awe of our fears than of God. And so I don't want to say Jesus is on the sidelines. He's not absent from us. Jesus is so present in the storm that we face. He's literally like he's sleeping with them in the boat. He's not absent. He's very present. And he's our peace. He's Lord of the storm. He's Lord in the storm. And Lord through the storm. He's our peace. And so tonight... I want to ask us, what if storm, what if that rising drama, that changing light, that blurred vision of the ocean, what if storm didn't become our story here in Edinburgh? Because the restoration and the work God is doing in us and through us isn't about looking at storm and looking at the fractures going on, but looking at the possibilities of what God is creating. What if we are creating storm over ourselves or over our world by the way that, that we're seeing it? Just like the disciples were doing the boat. The mistake there was they didn't see who was in the boat with them, around them, caring for them the whole time. This isn't taking away from any of our struggles. This is inviting God into the center of them and seeing where he is. So what is Jesus doing in the midst of it? Where is he heading? And what does he plan on doing when we get there on the other side? I feel like I've spent so much of my Christian life perhaps looking for what was wrong in people that needed fixed, looking for fractures, rather than looking for what God was wanting to create on top of that. And we believe God is always looking to restore, to heal, to forgive our sin to bring us into relationship with him. But I wonder if we sometimes just stopped there and said that's all we had to offer. I spent ages trying to include issues that people might be facing when I would travel and lead worship places. I would try and see if there was some sad things going on in the room that God wanted to fix. And uh, there was one time we did it, we brought it to the slow moment in the set and uh, it all kind of came down, just strumming away. It went into the three, four song, the sway song. And uh, I was over in Troon, quite near uh, Sokos, where uh, David Shanks is from, beautiful part of the world. And uh, over in Troon, they're a little bit less abstract than I might have hoped, a little bit more literal. And uh, we got to the quiet moment. We're like, okay, something's going to happen. People are sad here. God wants to, to make people not sad. And we said, hey, I don't know where you're coming from tonight. And I got a voice at the back, just went, Motherwell! moment over. And I wonder if people are actually looking for more creative possibility in what the kingdom might offer, as well as that restoring place of wherever they're at tonight. And that brings us to the question, you know, Jesus is more interested in what's going to happen on the other side. He's present, he's peace, he's life in the storm. He's interested in what's going on, on the other side. So he gets some sleep for that. So yes, you know, what is God about to do on Monday? What story is going on that's greater than the storm? Maybe that's asked, Lord, what is possible in this city? What's possible when you go to the other side? Why are you so focused on that? So what would tomorrow look like for us, for you, if storm wasn't your story? If peace was your story? Think about where you're going and the, the, the story that shapes that place. 
Where are you spending most of your week? Where are you um, putting eight, nine hours of your day into? And rather than crying for what we might think is storm to stop, what if we say, God, what's the story that you're writing here? What's Jesus doing in this place? When we know Jesus, the creative ideas, the what is possible in us becomes pretty wild. When we invite the spirit of the creator God, the one who creates the waves and stills them, when we know that that same spirit, that same person is alive within us, it begins to change the shape of the way that we see things. I wonder what, what you do. I wonder what your passions are that God might want to bring to life. Do you design? God wants to bring incredible designs out of you. Maybe you're into, into architecture. There's a lot of architects in our church. It's lovely. I think, I think they had to just to make it look pretty nice. But if you design, then know that you create a space for family to be family. And you create a space for ideas to flow that better society. If you're in, in business, then potentially you're involved in a process that a family celebrates down the line because someone who was desperate for work received a job that you were part of creating through the Spirit of God, creating something in you. If you're in the ministry of, of justice or the government, then part of your work brings life to people who otherwise justice would ignore. There's the creation of God in that place. If you're in, in school, then you become a different person there. The culture of your school, the values that people come out of that place with are going to come through you. If you throw a party, then you can rewrite the rules of who's in and who's out in your school, which upsets and creates the life of the kingdom in that place. If you're on social media, you might be the most peace-filled presence anyone's ever seen on their social media. Do you raise a family? I think no one is seeing that hours put in or appreciates all you do. Well, you're creating a new way of love through the Spirit of God living in you, through the creative possibilities around you that happen in the midst of storm. God is creating. God is with you. We could go on and imagine, you know, if you're a teacher, you're creating culture. If you're um, a student, you might be designing the future. If you're in medicine or science, you might literally be coming up with ways for people to live. You're not in a secular role. People talk about a secular job. I work for a church. They might call it a more spiritual job. I doubt it. And other people might say, I have a secular job. Your job is not devoid of God. Your life is not devoid of God in Christ. It's everywhere. And so, what does the church have to say today on this? Perhaps our, our culture as a church has been to remove ourselves from culture and say they're consuming, say that culture is greedy, culture is going the wrong way, culture is going more individualistic. That might be true, but what are we saying back into our life? What are we saying into our world? I love that over this week, we're looking at that as a church, and we're looking at the message that we have. I love that our church is full of hope, because visions and, and plans and ideas that churches have aren't really ever built on storm. They're built on what is possible in the kingdom of God. So our church, our message is that we're called to be whole life disciples, 
sharing the whole of the gospel with the whole of society through churches of grace. That is an invitation for the Spirit of God to come alive in every single one of us and to bring creation and life and to see the image of God on each person in our world and to live that way in the midst of storm and in the midst of the wildness. Our vision is Jesus. And we've chosen as a church to look and be assured of Jesus, maybe even when it seems like he's snoring in your life. But we look for Jesus in the midst of storm. When we say we're committed to social transformation, then we, t- we take that. We're committed to our society as a whole transforming from the margins to the core of how the thing works. God's always healing. God's always forgiving. God's always moving. He's always recreating, always restoring. But I wonder if this evening we might take a bit of time to understand more what is he creating in us that's possible. When we are in the midst of storm, perhaps our focus has tuned into that completely and we're not sure about what's on the other side. But what if we were to take tonight and not focus on, God, what broke in me? Uh, God, what, what does the Holy Spirit need to point out that isn't working? But to recognize the Holy Spirit is always showing us what needs healing, but also showing us where Jesus has brought that and how he wants to breathe it into our life and show up in our week. So as we're going to respond tonight and, and the band start coming up, um, for three or four minutes, I, I just want to ask us a couple questions that might really simply ground this. We know that storm is all over the place. Storm might be around us. You might be going home to storm tonight. But actually, what happens if we begin to focus on Jesus and begin to recognize he's already with us? He's there with it. And we maybe just say, hey, what meetings are we going to this week? This isn't looking for Jesus to uh, crash into us in the middle of the street and then to, to run at someone. This is what meetings are we going to this week? What classes are you in? What would you like God to do there? What would you like God to to do in your life? What ideas are you working on? What conversations are you excited about this week? And we take it really, really simply. And we say, Jesus, in the midst of storm, I'm listening for you. We're not panicking. He might be snoring. But we're recognizing we're with Jesus. He's creating something for us. And we're not panicking. We're not shouting at him, storm. We're saying, God, what are you opening up? What are you creating tonight? Um, We're going to do that. And one of the things I love about prayer ministry or praying for each other is that it isn't just coming up and being like, hey, something isn't kind of working. Can you see if God will fix it? But to say, I'm open, God. I want to see something move forward in my life. It's not there should be no shame or worry in coming to be prayed for. And we should never look upon people being prayed for as people who are needing a a tweak up. We're championing them. My goodness, what is God going to do in that person's life this week? We've become open to his Holy Spirit empowering us, filling us with ideas. So just for a couple of minutes, um, as we then continue to worship, uh, let's be quiet. I've got the band just to to play a bit behind it. Um, But what meetings are you going to? 
What conversations are you in this week? Where would you love to see God show up and surprise you? What is he creating in us tonight?